Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio, the podcast for bluegrass pickers and anybody who might want to become a bluegrass picker. I want to begin today's show by thanking the Patreon supporters. You people are the ones who are really keeping the wheels greased of this podcast. And I just want to say once again that I appreciate you. And if any of you who are listening would like to join the supporters over on Patreon, simply go to patreon.com slash Bradley Laird, and you'll find some free goodies and little bonus stuff over there just as a way of saying thank you. I also, as usual, want to thank anyone who has visited my website at bradleylaird.com. Loaded up with free lessons. I, I think I did a count not, I don't know, it was maybe six months ago. I was just curious how many pages exist on the website and it's in excess of 300 uh, <laughs> I don't remember the exact number but there is a lot of information there free lessons for dulcimer free the the basics of bluegrass guitar mandolin lessons clawhammer banjo lessons all sorts of weird stuff so if somehow you found this podcast but have not explored that den of chaos over at bradleylaird.com. I encourage you to do so. It's there and uh, have fun. Obviously, I also sell products through that website. And that, that website will show you all of those things as well. You'll find everything there. And I uh, just want to remind everybody that I have this free ebook called The Ten Jamandments Discussed. And I, I think I even did a bonus episode about it back, back a few months ago. Basically, what I've done is written its 60 some pages of jam session tips, you know, how to um, succeed at a jam session and how jam sessions operate and that sort of thing advice on if you're thinking of starting your own jam. There's a world of information in there about this very little quirky little niche we live in called bluegrass and particularly bluegrass jamming. But I wanted to remind you that the, the back page, the final page in that downloadable, free downloadable PDF is a discount coupon code that you can, I believe it's 25%, you can take 25% off anything that I peddle in my store. Uh, so, you know, if you were thinking of getting the mandolin treasure chest, that discount coupon code, if you, all you got to do is type it in when you're about to make the purchase and it would save you 25 bucks. Um, you know, an $8 video becomes a $6 video. That sort of thing. A $10 book becomes a $7.50 book. You might as well use it. I'm giving it to you. Take it. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're walking through the grocery and the lady's got the little pizza rolls, you know, and sticks a toothpick in it. And, sir, would you like to try one? 
Why not? Well, I mean, I can give you a couple of reasons why you probably shouldn't eat that stuff, but uh, that is for another episode. I One day I'm, I am going to do an episode, and I'm going to tie it to bluegrass, and I'm going to talk about how important our health is. Uh, not that I'm the picture of health, you know, but I, I try. And I, I am familiar with the difficulties that poor health and injuries and things like this can do to your picket. Not to mention just good old aging. Uh, I'm going to do an episode about that, but I'm not going to talk about that today. One uh, final reminder before we get into the meat of this show is that, and I rarely do anything on the show that is very time sensitive, um, but it is the time of year when I should mention my son Jackson's book uh, called Christmas Songs for Mandolin. And it was a joint project that Jackson and I did two years ago when he was nine years old. And he was deeply interested in learning to compose and to write music. And, and, and so we started messing around together and him mostly on his own learned to use the notation software program called Sibelius, which is the same software that I use to create the notation and tablature or just tablature in the case of banjo um, for the materials that I present. So when you buy a video and there comes a PDF with it, a little four page PDF that has version one and version two and the, you know, that kind of stuff, all that stuff was created by me in Sibelius. And Jackson learned how to use Sibelius. In fact, he is far better than me now. He's learned so many things about that software that I didn't ever even know it would do. Um, but one of the projects we worked on two years ago was creating a simple songbook for mandolin players to play Christmas songs, those old Christmas favorites. And it's a downloadable PDF ebook. It each song in it has mandolin tablature for the melody. So if you're going to play Jingle Bells, there's the melody for Jingle Bells. And with under my guidance, I had him write these in keys that are very friendly to mandolin players. And you also have a standard notation line. So if you already read standard notation, there is the melody to the song, all these Christmas favorites. Um, in standard music notation. So it, it, it's just like if you picked up a hymn book and opened it up and tried to play the melody on your mandolin, you would have to know standard notation. But it, this also has the mandolin tablature. So it's there. If you read tablature, bingo, you can now play these songs. He also put in the lyrics. So this book can serve as a little sing-along page. You know, you can... You could print this thing out and hand it out. And, and let me tell you something funny. I, he's been taking piano lessons now for a couple of years, three years or so, two or three years. He, I walk in the room and he is playing this beautiful arrangement 
of a Christmas song, and I, I don't remember what it was. It might have been It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. I, I just I can't remember which song it was. And I'm just hearing him play it, and he's got the left hand going and playing the chords and the melody. And it's just beautiful. I was like, where did you learn to play that, Jackson? And he pointed to the Christmas songs for mandolin book. He had it open on the, on the music desk of the piano. He's just reading. He's playing the melody by reading, you know, with his right hand, he's playing the melody as written in that book. And for the left hand, he's simply reading the chord designations above it. And he's figured out enough about the piano that when it says F sharp minor chord, you know, he knows where to put his fingers and he's playing arpeggios. And it was really interesting. I have a, uh, <laughs> I made him record one of them. I have a tape of him doing that with one song. I may put that on the show notes page. And I will also put a link to the Ten Commandments Discussed, free ebook and discount coupon code. And I will put a link to the Christmas Songs for Mandolin downloadable ebook on today's show notes page. So once again, I encourage you to always visit the show notes page. You can go to grasstalkradio.com and slide down to this particular episode and click that link and you will see the particulars, things I may have mentioned in this episode. And last thing about uh, the Christmas songs for mandolin, Jackson and I have a deal that he gets half the money. And this is how he typically uh, raises funds to do his Christmas shopping You know, at this time of year. He did pretty good last year. I think maybe he... He might have pocketed 60 bucks or 75 bucks. I don't know. It was pretty good last year. This year has been a little weaker because, you know, there's that product life cycle and so on. <laughs> anyway, now's the time. If, if you want to play some Christmas uh, music on your mandolin, uh, you know, the arrangements are just very simple. They're not fancy arrangements. Uh, they are simply the melody written out in tablature for mandolin with the chords, with the standard notation and with the lyrics. And of course, Jackson gets half the money. The IRS, the state of Georgia, PayPal and PayHip get the other half. So I'm not really getting anything out of this thing. It's a service to you and to my son so he can raise some Christmas funds. All right, let's get on to this episode topic. I don't really have a title figured out yet, but I, I, I am reminded of a little joke that I've made once or twice on this podcast that I had a real idiot for a teacher. And then I would say, because I'm self-taught, I've told that little joke at lessons many, many times. I had a real idiot for a teacher because I was self-taught. And, you know, I'm not going to dive down the rabbit hole of how we actually learn here uh, because I, I'm kind of a believer that everything is self-taught at, at a certain level of thinking about it. But what I do want to talk about today is the taking of private lessons. A lady came up to me the other day at the jam session Oh, the Tuesday night jam. This has been about a month ago. And she says, 
do you give bass lessons? And I said, I was playing bass that night. I said, no, ma'am, I don't give them, but I do sell them. And she, she just kind of, I don't think she got my sense of humor. I have a kind of a warped, weird sense of humor. No, but I do sell them. Anyway, what we're going to talk about today is the, how to make the most of the private lesson, individual lesson, face-to-face lesson process. Um, Obviously, I'm in the business of providing materials for people who are not taking lessons. And, And the reasons for that are many. You may not know someone that you can take claw hammer banjo lessons from. There may be nobody around your area who's a decent mandolin teacher. Uh, so I feel like I'm providing a service, but I, that doesn't mean, you know, if, if you're choosing to learn through video lessons and emailing me questions and things like that, that doesn't mean that I don't highly value the private lesson experience. Um, although I never had them. Um, well, I mean, I, I've had them, I suppose, in school band way back in the, back when the woolly mammoth roamed the earth. But uh, I'm going to give you uh, 10 or 12 tips uh, for making the most of your private lesson experience. Now, the first thing I'm going to state right off the bat is that there are good teachers and there are lousy teachers, and there's everything in between. Um, and you, as a beginner, now, if you're an intermediate or an advanced player, I'm not talking about you here, maybe you can tell the difference, but a, a beginner oftentimes may not know the difference. And when I say there are good teachers and lousy teachers, I don't mean there are excellent players who teach and lousy players who teach. That's not, I'm not talking about like their personal skill level on the instrument because it's a fact that there are, there are great teachers who are not virtuoso players and there are virtuoso players who are lousy teachers. So it's, it's a continuum and, but I want to remind you, it's helpful if your teacher is a great player, but it's even more helpful if your teacher is a great teacher and listens to you and is a problem solver and is a motivator. Because uh, you, could, you could have a virtuosic uh, instrumentalist who knows just immense amounts of material and, you know, tapping his stick on on the music stand and and you're not getting any of it it's very possible for great players to be lousy teachers so you might hook up with a teacher and begin to think wow this 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 teacher is pretty lousy this teacher does not know what they're talking about but i must remind you that if you're new to this i'm not sure that you have the ability to fairly judge the teacher at such an early stage. So you can't do much about is the teacher good or lousy because you just, you, do, you may not be able to tell. 
uh, you know, the, the wide-eyed eight-year-old kid who drags his guitar in at a music store and sits down with a guitar teacher, he is just running under the assumption that the teacher must know a tremendous amount about the guitar. He wouldn't be teaching guitar lessons. But as you progress in your music, you may discover that maybe that guy doesn't really know that much, you know, especially about the, you know, aspects of teaching and motivation and things. So what I am going to suggest to you is that it is more important to work on becoming a good student than worrying so much about finding a great teacher. And I made up one of these little charts where on the left-hand side, I have the teacher. You can either have a good teacher or a lousy teacher. And then across, I put, you can either be a good student or a lousy student. And obviously, these are scales. You know, you could do one to ten or whatever. I'm just saying there are various combinations. You could be a good student and have a lousy teacher, and you still might progress okay. Because you being a good student will pull the most out of that lousy teacher. Now, if you're a good student and you have a good teacher, that's the best. Those, um, you're, you're both going to learn a great deal from the thing and you're going to progress and rapidly. Good student combined with a good teacher. But let's say you're a lousy student and you connect up with a lousy teacher. That's the most pointless, pointless thing I can imagine. Now, it still might be fun. And I suspect that across the world, every day in some music store, there's a lousy student sitting down with a lousy teacher. And they may be having a great time, but I'm, I can assure you that will not progress as well as a good student with a good teacher. The last combination is the lousy student with the good teacher. That's bad. It's such a waste, such a waste of a good teacher to be paired up with a lousy student. And I don't mean lousy by he plays lousy. I mean lousy in practice, in attitude and things like that. So, in this episode, and let me preface this by saying I've taught a lot of private lessons. And I've learned a great deal from them, and I'm just going to try to share with you some of that today. I've talked about this some in some of the other lessons, I mean uh, podcasts, but it was what was on my mind this morning when I got up at 5 o'clock. And you may hear the rooster out there. Um, it's now about 7. I've been sitting here writing notes and drinking coffee and stuff. Let's talk about how you can't control the, the teacher other than by selecting a different teacher, and you may not have many to choose from. And uh, also bear in mind that these same, many of these, not all of them, some of these suggestions for how to be a good student apply to learning you know, self-learning through video lessons and books, you know, my method, some of this stuff applies to that too. So I'm going to go through tips for being a good student. 
Because again, if you're a good student with a lousy teacher or a middle of the road teacher, you'll get more out of it if you're a good student. So work on that first. Control what you can control. All right, so let's just dive right in on the first suggestion for being a good private lesson student. First idea. Instead of taking one lesson, let's say, as a test to see how you do, how you like the teacher, I wouldn't suggest that you just sign up for one lesson. I would consider four weeks of lessons. And here I'm talking most most teachers do weekly lessons at music stores and privately, you know, perhaps in their home. Weekly is the usual way it's done. I would suggest that at a minimum you, you sign up for four weeks of lessons. Now the teacher might require more than that. I don't know. That's, that's between you and the teacher, but I wouldn't suggest that one lesson is sufficient time for you to really learn enough about the teacher and for the teacher to learn enough about you because there's this period of time. I experienced this a lot when I would have a new student of me trying to sort out what they already know, what their background is, what their musical history is, what sort of thing or what are they really trying to do because just it it is not a one-size-fits-all scenario with private lessons. Yes, some teachers just teach everyone the same. But I think you'll get more out of it if you devise, uh, if you allow enough time for the teacher to devise sort of a custom fit so that you're not going over things that you've already mastered and that you're moving in a direction that you, you want to go in. And this takes a little bit of time. Once you have established that you're happy with the teacher and you, you, know, you like their personality and you like the way they do things, um, and if you're feeling that that's not working, be sure you examine yourself too. Maybe you're not doing the things you need to be doing on your end. So, you know, but once, once you have gone through this little test period, I suggest that you commit to six months as a minimum to study with that teacher and do the things they suggest. Commit to it. it you've already decided that you think the person is a good match and would be a good teacher. So at that point, you need to commit because it's very frustrating for a teacher um, and I've been in this position many times to have someone coming to lessons and you know they are approaching breakthrough moments, but they're not there yet because this thing of learning to play takes time. And some students are impatient and they feel like if they're not playing great after five or six lessons or two months that they either think, well, the teacher doesn't know what they're talking about, or they think they're a complete failure. Uh, you know, they begin to belittle themselves and many of them give up. And I think they give up too soon. And maybe they're not being the good student and maybe the teacher is not being the good teacher, but it's a long-term process and you're not going to see 
big results in short, short periods of time. It's just like weight loss. If you want to lose 50 pounds, you're not going to do that in a week, <laughs> not safely or, you know, without surgery or something. But it's easy in six months. And in a year, oh, it would be just insanely easy. Music is like that. Learning, training, training yourself and learning to control your fingers and understand bigger concepts of music. These things take time. They're, they can't just open up your head and pour it in and you're not going to get much out of a couple of weeks of lessons. You're just not. I would say that the same thing applies to if you are you know, doing the self-teaching thing. You've got a book or you've got a video or some videos and DVDs, whatever, and you're learning. You know, you've got to be patient. You've got to realize that in three months, you still don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, and that so many people, I, I've told them many, many times, go back over the beginning stuff. Start, every time you sit down to practice, start on page one, you know, that kind of thing. Because three months down the road, there are things that you will understand more if you go back to the beginning again on the second pass, third pass, fourth pass, fourth pass. All I'm saying here is item one, give them a long, give the teacher a long enough test period to determine whether you're going to commit. And then if you do commit, commit, really commit. Item two, get the money stuff out of the way. Most music stores, you're going to pay the store and then they put you on the schedule. And most typical music stores just charge by the month. And, you know, if you're on Tuesdays at three o'clock, all the Tuesdays at three o'clock in that month you've paid for. So you get, get the money stuff up front out of, way, out of the way. But when you're dealing with a private individual, perhaps in their home, you know, you come over to their apartment or their house or something and you're taking lessons from this guy. They often don't have a, you know, like that, the cash register up front and they can't take credit cards and things like that. So talk to the teacher, how do you want to be paid? And then just do it. If you're committed to this, just do it. Now, they're not going to ask you to pay for six months up front, but they may want you to pay monthly. If so, do it. And don't, what I'm getting to is something that occurred with my private teaching a lot or frequently, was at times I would have people pay by the month. Well, then they skip a week. Well, then there's that gray area. Well, do I owe them a lesson or they cancel? You know, and I, I had a policy about it, but it gets confusing. Like if you're trying to keep track, well, I still owe the guy one lesson. So then he's trying to remember, well, do I have to pay this week or is it next week? And it, just try to get the money stuff out of the way because the lessons are supposed to be about music, not about money transactions. So just make sure you do, just do it, get it out of the way. Get the money out of the way. I came up with ultimately a very simple solution to this. And I put all my students on this plan. You pay, you pay a month at a time, and it's your responsibility. You see that can over there? It's your responsibility to put the money in there. That's it. <laughs> that was it. And I quit worrying about it. And at, you know, at the end of the month, I would dump it out on the table, count the money, divide it 
my, my lesson fee, and that's how many lessons I taught for pay. Um, you know, and I, it was just so much easier, you know. I didn't, because let's say you expect a student, or you're a student, and you're expected to pay every week. And you show up and, oh, I forgot my checkbook, uh, you know. <laughs> Mind if I pay you next week? You know, that kind of thing. It happens all the time. Then you got to have keep records and you got to write all this stuff down and keep track. And it's, you're not thinking about the music. So get the money out of the way. So that is not, you don't want the money. Well, you don't want the teacher thinking, did he pay? Did he not pay? You don't want that to be on the teacher's mind. You want to be thinking about you and your playing. Okay. Number three, be punctual. Be early. Don't be too early. You know, like when I was teaching out of my home, I would stack people up on certain days of the week. Like Monday, I might have five. And then in Thursday, on Thursday, I might have three. And that was, I'd like to stack them up. If I'm going to be teaching, I'm all set up. I'll try to put people back to back and things like that. But it's very frustrating to, you know, let's say I got, Somebody coming at three o'clock, then I got somebody coming at three thirty, and they're not here. And then at a quarter to four, the next one is showing up, and then the the three thirty one shows up at the same time. You know, be on time. That's really important, and be a little early. Three to five minutes early is good. Just show up. Don't interrupt if the teacher is you know in a lesson already music stores this is easier to handle because you can hang around the store and usually you see the student ahead of you coming out and so you know it's time to go in or the teacher will come out and go hey bill come on in you know but at home sometimes you're sitting in the car if it's cold or rainy sometimes you're sitting on the front porch just sort of waiting and then if you are taking lessons at someone's home um when it is, in fact, time, if the teacher hadn't opened the door and noticed you out there on the porch or something, ring the bell, knock, but do that at the exact time. You know, if you're there at four o'clock, don't be banging on the door at 10 till four because the, he might, the teacher may be right in the middle of finishing up a lesson with another student and you don't want to interrupt the, the other students, but you also don't want to let them run over. Uh, I have several times accidentally just kind of lose track of time and be running long and didn't know it, you know, just wasn't paying attention to the clock and me and the student are, you know, deep into something and, and it's just going and there's somebody sitting out on the porch waiting to come in and they, they just hear us playing and, you know, the person didn't knock on the door. Take the initiative. If, if lesson's over, help the teacher out, you know, and let them know, hey, it's four o'clock. You know, <laughs> it, that year, time can get away from a teacher sometimes because of thinking about the music. And, you know, I, I eventually, you know, had a clock sitting right there. I never did uh, put a timer with a bell, but that, that probably would have been a good idea. Um, so that's it. Be early, be on time. And then number four, be a bit flexible in, in that regard, you know, try not to cut it down to the wire. You know, if you got to be out of there at exactly 4.30, tell the teacher that. Um, but 
sort of expect that a half hour lesson is really maybe 25 minutes and that an hour lesson is more like 50, 55 minutes because there is change over time. It's just like when you go to a bluegrass festival and they got 10 bands, they're all playing these 45 minute sets with a 15 minute change over time. You know, don't, if you're playing at a festival, don't expect that you're going to get a full hour because they're going to kick you off so they can set up for the next band and the next band's got to get on. It's the same way in lessons. So half hour lessons, 25 good solid minutes of actual instruction and working with a teacher, that's normal. That gives the teacher time to, you know, go get a drink of water, uh, take a bite out of his Subway sandwich or in between or make a phone call or tell somebody something or, you know, and let the next person in. And there's a certain amount of, hey, how's it going? You know, what you been up to? A little bit of conversation is going to take place. Uh, don't drag those things out too long, uh, you know. Is maybe the teacher's just saying, so what you been up to? And maybe he doesn't really need to know about the complete remodel of your bathroom because you're just burning up lesson time, you know? So it's just a little pleasantries and stuff. Do those. Now, I've had many times when, uh, you know, I had a student and then they had another, I had another student that followed them week after week after week, you know, Bob's here at five and, you know, John comes at six, something like that. Many times these two would get to know each other because sometimes I'm running a little long with, with the early student and the later students already there and they begin to talk and, you know, it is uh, number five, get to know the other students. You know, if you're sitting around the waiting area or something, and you see some people sitting around with their cases, talk to them. These are your fellow students, you know, and you might learn something from them. You might find out about a jam session. You might end up wanting to get together and play with them some. And I would occasionally have student uh, jam sessions where I would invite all of my students to show up, you know, on a Friday night at my house and, and let's all pick, you know. And it was, it was a, you know, don't live in isolation. It's just not you and the teacher, but think about the other students too. You know, you might find another student who is maybe you're playing banjo and they're playing guitar and you can get together and practice together. Now, this is a good way to network, but you have to make the effort. And if you do, that is being a good student. Okay. Number six, warm up at home. If, if you feel like you need to play for 10 minutes to get your fingers going and things like that, um, you know, you're wasting valuable lesson time that you're paying for. Uh, I, I used to hate it, especially with banjo players that would sit down at the start of the lesson, get their picks on, and just start picking and playing and picking and playing. And, you know, like, what are you doing over there? You know, kind of wait for them to wind down, and then I would... You know, I, you know what I mean? If you need to warm up, spend a half hour at home before you leave to go to the lesson and play, 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 really get warmed up. And then when you walk into the lesson, sit down, get your instrument out, make sure the money thing is taken care of. Sit there prepared, check your tuning. That shouldn't take you too long unless you haven't learned how to tune yet, but check your tuning 
and then sit there quietly. That's very important. Sit there quietly. Okay, so number seven is check your tuning and get it over with. You know, you might tune before you leave the house. And then when you get there, it's going to be really close. And maybe just touch it up and sit there quietly. Don't waste a whole lot of time. Number eight, bring your book. <laughs> if it's a book or if it's tablature or sheets or material or whatever the, whatever the teacher has been giving you, sending you home with, hey, uh, uh, you, know, you need to practice this here on page 12. Bring it with you. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat down at a lesson and the person gets out their instrument and they're sitting there smiling at you. And you go, all right, uh, get out your book. You go, oh, man, I forgot. I forgot my book. Uh, all right. Because I always use the students' printed material, books, sheets, sheets of paper, material. That's where I kept track of where they were. We would write in them, you know, circle things and, you know, check things off and things like that in in other words, the student is responsible for keeping track of the material, the printed material, if you're using such thing. You know, I had some students that we didn't really work from printed material, had some play-by-ear people. And this is especially true as you move into more advanced uh, students who are maybe there trying to learn to improvise and things like that. A lot of times we weren't using a lot of paper. Because if you're, you know, you can't learn to improvise by playing what's written, you know. Uh, so sometimes material isn't involved, but take care of the material, organize it, and keep track of it. That is your responsibility. If you're not doing that, you're making it difficult on the teacher, and you are um, uh, ruining the, well, you're, you're not going to get as much out of the lessons. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I can't. I cannot tell you how many times uh, I would have a student, and I would give them a page of tablature. This is an arrangement of, you know, whatever, old Joe Clark or something, and I would request that they have a notebook, you know, a three-ring binder, and I'd punch holes. I kept a three-ring a punch there punch the thing. I'd, and a lot of times I'd just be printing these things out a page at a time, put it in your book, you know, and they maybe didn't have the book or they just threw it in the book and they come back next week and there's this wadded up piece of paper that they, they're like uncrunching it and folding it out, smoothing it out on the stick. Now I know they have not practiced that thing, you know, Take a little care with the materials that the teacher is giving you. That's what they are expecting you to learn. So keep track of it. Keep it in order. Keep it in good condition and have it with you. All right, number nine. This is a big one with me. Listen to the teacher. And we'll assume that the teacher listens to you. This is the crux of taking lessons. Play your instrument when you are asked to play your instrument. Stop when you're asked to stop and listen. Don't play 
when the teacher is speaking, unless there are a couple of exceptions to that. I might say, okay, let me hear you play the A part there of Cripple Creek. All right, you ready? One and two and off they go. I might say something while they're playing. Hey, uh, keep your keep your keep your ring finger down on that head. That didn't mean stop. You know, sometimes I'm advising midstream. You know, giving correction a little bit. Just or I might be counting along one and two and one and C. You know, C chord. You know, th that kind of thing. So just because the teacher's speaking, you know, you've got to decide. You know, is he just helping me by saying something? But I'll tell you what's frustrating is, okay, you get to the end of it. And then I would say to the student, okay, let me tell you, in the A part, and I haven't even said the word part yet, and the guy is playing it again. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Listen to me. In the A part, when you go into that little two, three, and he starts playing again, like, what are you doing? Stop playing. If the teacher is trying to tell you something, put your hands at your sides and listen. And then at some point, I wouldn't even start playing until the teacher says to play. Don't think at the end of a sentence, just because the teacher paused, that now it's time for you to do what he said. No, just sit there. He'll tell you when to play, he or she. He'll tell you. He'll say, all right, let's do it again. You ready? Okay. It's so frustrating. And some students are just prone to talk or to pick over the talking, and they're not hearing a darn thing. I, I had a kid that this was a bit of a problem. Uh, it happened a lot. And I just finally got real direct and I would just instruct, okay, put your instrument in, in the case, make them actually lay it down. Now, let me explain something to you. Talk, talk, might show them something. All right, now pick up your instrument and now let's do it. Cause the only way I could get his attention. <laughs> he was, he was just, if he had that thing in his hands, he wanted to be playing it. So pay attention, play when asked, don't play when the teacher is trying to impart some knowledge to you or suggestion or something. All right, number 10. This is where, man, I, this squeaky chair. I, sometimes I think I need to replace this chair, but I do love these chairs. So sorry about the squeak. Number 10, actually do what the teacher suggests. That's uh this is where most people fail at lessons. You go through all the stuff at the lesson and the teacher says something to you at the end of the lesson like, "All right. Don't worry about the B part yet." You know. You're still having some trouble with the A part. Practice the A part. Practice it with the metronome. Start about 40 beats a minute. And, and it goes through this thing, telling you what to do. Just work on the A part. Don't worry about the B part. Got it? When you come in next week, I want to hear you playing that A part well. And then we'll move on to the B. Got it? Okay. Student goes away. 
doesn't do any of that stuff. I don't know what they do. Play along with YouTube videos, try some Grateful Dead tunes, try playing the B part. You know, the teacher said work on A. So they come back the next week and the teacher says, all right, let's hear the A part. He just wants to confirm that you've got it and move on. You can't play it because you didn't practice it. Or maybe you did practice it, but you tried it at 100 beats a minute and kept failing and failing and failing and failing and then just put the thing in the case. Do what the teacher suggests. There's a reason you're paying them, and it's because they probably know more about how to do this than you do. But if you don't do what they ask you, you might as well not take lessons. And this becomes even more important if you're doing the self teaching through videos and things like that. If you buy one of my videos and I, I explain and show how to play the A part, and then I say, now let's practice it with the track. Well, you have to do that. You have to practice it. And you might have to practice it a thousand times. You can't just let the video keep on going. Use the stop button, you know? Anyway, be different. Actually do what the teacher suggests. In other words, assignments. And remember, this is very important. Lesson time, time spent in your lesson, is not practice time. You're not going there to practice. You're going there to be observed and be evaluated. You're going there to receive information and have things demonstrated for you. And then you are going to get assigned material to practice. You go home and practice. And the more you practice and the more effectively and correctly you practice, the more likely you are to make progress. The progress doesn't happen at the lesson. It's too short of a time. I'm not saying certain light bulbs don't go off over your head sometimes. You're like, oh, now I get it. But where you really get it is when that light bulb goes off, then the following day and the day after and the day after and the day after and the day after, you practice this and make it part of your subconscious. So that number 10 is pretty important actually do what the teacher suggests. If not, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money, and you're frustrating the teacher immensely because he knows you could do it if you just would. Okay? Oh, and last little tip. If you're new, if you're a newbie, or if you're a newbie on a particular instrument, this is something I've neglected to do uh, a few times, many times actually, at lessons. And then as a teacher, I failed but it was corrected. Let the teacher try out your instrument. If you're there the first time, one of the first things you should do, and if the teacher doesn't think of it, make sure that you remind them, hand them your instrument and say, would you check this out? Would you make sure it's set up reasonably well for playing? I've neglected that and been three months into lessons with somebody and just puzzled by why they're having so much trouble. And then I'd go, Oh, give me that thing. And I hand him my mandolin 
and I take their mandolin and I, I play it and I go, oh, okay, all right, my fault, sorry. This thing, holy cow, I don't even know how you're playing this thing. Try mine. Here, play, play mine. And they play it and they go, my God. Now, oh, okay, okay. All right, kid, or all right, mister, you need a setup. You need some setup. You, this nut is like insanely high, you know, or you're, something's wrong. Sometimes um, the teacher will forget to do that. So make sure it happens. Make sure your teacher tries your instrument. All right, let's see if I got anything else written down here. No, I don't. Turn the page, nothing there. It's blank. Then I would say we're done. And uh, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Um, be thankful for what you have. And thank the people around you. And I'll talk to you in the next podcast.